Would you turn to Hosea, please, this morning, the fourth chapter? We're so glad everybody's here this morning. Aren't you glad we have a church to come to? There are a lot of good works in the town and in the state and all over the country, and we appreciate them. Everybody ought to appreciate their own church, amen. Everybody ought to be faithful to their own family. I have for you this morning, I'm I'm not quite ready to get to our message, I have an admonition, an admonishment for you. I've been up praying since about 3.30 this morning. The Lord's talking to me about some things. And so, uh, are you? would you hear what I've got to say this morning? Uh, Hosea, let's just read it and then I'll tell you what the Lord is speaking to my heart. Hosea, the fourth chapter, that's in the Old Testament. Maybe back there where your pages are stuck together, I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, right before Joel, if that helps you. It's right after Daniel, if that helps. If you you don't see it, that's all right. Just listen. Hosea 4 and the sixth verse, 4-6, what does it say? My people, God's people, are destroyed. Does God want his people destroyed? No. They're destroyed for why? Lack of knowledge. You know, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance can get you destroyed. You know, you run out and grab a hold of some uh, hot electrical lines. And, uh, and, you know, it fries you like a fritter. And you say, well, I didn't know electricity would do that. Yeah, but you still fried. <laughs> if you said, I didn't know that was hot. Ignorance is not a good thing. Right? God's people, he said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's not the end of the, the scripture. What is it going to say? Because you have what? Rejected knowledge. Now, there's a lot more there, but I just want you to see that one thought. People, God's people destroyed for a lack of knowledge and because they have rejected knowledge. Uh, we, we had a, uh, a marriage meeting this past week, and... Uh, I think it went well. I believe it was a good investment of our time and effort. And and how many feel that I have, uh, or do you think that I have wasted your time with special meetings? We haven't had that many special meetings. In almost a year and a half, we've had, what, four, I think. Right? How many believe they've been significant and worthwhile? An investment we haven't, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I think you can have too much stuff in a church. And I think we need to be led and directed. And I, I believe it was, uh, was very profitable. But I couldn't help but notice that hundreds of our regular attendees on Sunday were not there. And I'm not mad, I'm not upset. But the Lord directed me to say something to you about it. And in, and in, it's between you and him once I say this. Um, a lot of people were not here for the meeting. And uh, I, I know that uh, one thing, I, you know, we didn't have any child care. And I wondered about that in the beginning, and I really looked at it hard to see if we needed to change it. But at this point, I don't think we did. And I don't plan on it next year if, if we do. There's a reason why we did it that way, two or threefold. One is you need to demonstrate that your children are not more important to you than your spouse. Amen. Did you hear me? You need to make an investment and demonstrate that. It's good for you to have that time of the drive, just you and your spouse and no children to church and then back from church and you can talk about things and what, what you did. And also, we wanted all of our children's workers to be able to be in here with us. Amen. They wanted to receive this too. And I know it costs money for babysitters and that kind of thing, but we're believing to be prosperous too. Amen. 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 So uh, 
uh, if that was an issue, then, then put your faith on that. I know some other things were, and I'll talk about it in just a minute. Now, uh, if the Lord directed you during the week to be somewhere else and do something else, that's fine. If the Lord directed you to, to be somewhere else other than these meetings and do something else, that's great. If you're cool with him, you're cool with me. But, and here's the thing, he, here's the admonishment. I'd rather not even told you, but I couldn't get away from it. He said, if he dealt, if, if he dealt with us to have the meeting, and if he dealt with Phyllis and I to prepare, which we did intensively, I looked at thousands of scriptures. We, we prayed. We, we did everything we knew to do. And if God met us and spoke to us and brought out revelation and knowledge and understanding so we wouldn't be destroyed in our marriages, and you knew about it and you felt like you should, you should be here, and you weren't here, he said you are responsible for it just like you were here. Amen. Did you understand what I just said now? I'm not fussing at you. I'm just telling you the way it is. If, if, if he dealt with you to be somewhere else and do something else and you were doing what he told you to do, wonderful, cool, everything's fine. If he dealt with you to be here and you let something distract you, how many know the devil is the master of distraction? And you let something knock you out of being here or you just, something else was more important to you than this, even though he was dealing with you to come, then you are responsible for what was taught and preached here even though you never heard it and you never were here. Because you had the opportunity, you rejected the opportunity for the knowledge. Amen. Do you see what I'm talking about? Now, some of the tapes will be available. The first three nights will be available. The last three will not be available, no exceptions. Uh, we had a men's, a women's only night, a men's only night, and then a question and answer night, Friday night. And there are a number of reasons why we're not making those available. Number one, we feel like the Lord dealt with us not to. That's good enough. End of story. But then also, uh, there are some things that if you weren't here for the first three nights, you wouldn't hear it the same. And you might take it to an extreme or something. And then also there ought to be some benefit, special benefit to those who made the effort and got to babysitters and, and, and came and were here. Is that right? So if, if you weren't here, I encourage you strongly, get the first three tapes and listen to those. But how many know that listening to a tape is not the same thing as being in a place? It's not. If it was... Uh, we wouldn't need this big facility and all the expenses that go with it. I'd just get up at home on Sunday morning and sit down in front of a microphone in my robe. <laughs> and I'd talk into that microphone and then just send you all a tape. And y'all could sit at home at your table and listen to it. It's not the same. I said it's not the same. Right? Everybody with me on this? Do you understand this? Uh, there's a number of other things I could say, but but I'll not uh, I'll not get into it. There are a couple of things here I need to say before I finish. I I will take part of the responsibility. I may not have Phyllis and I may not have impressed upon you how important the meeting was, you know, or I may not have we may not have. Uh, I don't know, told you enough about it or whatever. But I will take some responsibility there. And make next time, I'll say more about it. We'll say more about it. We'll tell you more how important it is. And it's not just that meeting. It's any meeting. Amen. Right? Um, and let me announce to you then something that we're going to be doing. Uh, how many know we have a Friday night service? Yeah. Uh, every Friday night. 7.30. Uh, this Friday night, unless the Lord deals with me differently, we're going to start a new series. I know we didn't finish all of Hebrews 11, but life's not over. We could finish it <laughs> right before, we might finish it before the rapture. But uh, I believe, unless the Lord leads me differently, I'm going to begin a new series Friday, unless something comes up I'm not aware of, the Lord says different, on how to receive and how to minister healing. And we're really going to begin to get into healing. How to receive healing for yourself 
and how to minister healing to other people. There's going to be many, a number of things going on in this. If you, if, if you uh, want to receive healing, you ought to be here. If you've got friends that want to receive healing, get them here. And not just for one Friday. Get them here for the duration. It's amazing. You know, people go to the doctor. And, uh, you know, he'll tell them, all right, come back tomorrow. And they'll come back. Come back into the week. They'll come back. Come back next week. They'll come back. I mean, sit two hours and wait. Is that right? Keep coming back. I mean, they'll come back and come back and come back. But if you tell them to come back to church on healing, they go, well, just pray. Zap me. (laughs) No. The Lord not only wants you to be healed, he wants you to know how you got healed. He wants you to know how to keep healing. He wants you to know how to minister healing to others. Amen. Amen. So we're going to start on this, best I know, this coming Friday. And uh, also there's, there's two or three things happening here. We, we're growing. And we will require many people to help minister uh, within the church and minister to other people. I've already told you, I'm not going to do all the visitation. I'm not going to do all the f- uh, funerals. I'm not going to do all the uh, weddings. I'm not going to do all the things. We're going to be big. I'm going to have a lot of help. And a lot of it's going to be right here with you. Amen. 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 And where are we going to look for people that know how to minister healing to people? People that were never here on the Friday night while we talked about it? I don't think so. You understand what I'm talking about? So uh, we, we see who's here and who's not. And when we are going to use people for visitation and use people for other things, then we'll know who to draw on and who to look to, people that have been here and been faithful and, and will have the same vision that we have because they've heard the same things and believing the same things. Do you understand that? Yes. Is that okay? Yes. You understand I'm not aggravated at you. And there's no need to, to come to me and Phyllis and say, well, now, now you know, this is why I wouldn't hear. Uh, it, it's not between me and you. It's between you and the Lord. Amen. 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 And, and even if you told me, well, I had such and such going on and I couldn't be there. And if I said, well, that's okay, brother, that doesn't mean the Lord said it was okay. Right. Just because I said it was okay. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? This is not between me and you. And I'm not mad. If, if a third of the people that were here had come. I'd have preached to them. We'd have had a good meeting. Yeah. It'd have been a good investment. Yeah. Amen. 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 But I'm just telling you that what the Lord told I didn't think that up. That's what the Lord said to me about that. I love you. You love me, right? Yeah. We're okay, right? Yeah. Now, if you want to come once a year, I love you. I'll take you once a year. You want to come once a month? Praise God. I'll be glad to see you once a month. But understand, the Lord will bless all that you give him. Whatever level of commitment you give him, he'll bless you on that level. However much of your life you want him to have. Would you turn to uh, our text that we've been looking at on these Sunday mornings, please? Go to uh, John 13 and then 1 John 4. John 13... And 1 John, excuse me, I didn't do something else he told me to do. I know we've prayed about this already, but how many are believing, this was an issue with you during this week, job conflict. And you're believing to have a different job situation so you can be in services more. How many of you that applies to you? You're believing for a different schedule or a different job situation. Go ahead and stand up on your feet. The Lord dealt with me to release faith with you on this. We, we have prayed about jobs. But I think there's some people here that weren't here when we prayed. And then there were some people here. You didn't really get in faith. But you will get in faith this morning about it. We'll get in faith. You're either believing for a different job. Or you're believing for a different schedule. Or whatever it is. Because it has really been a conflict to you being in meetings and services and that kind of thing. How many, believe we can believe, how many believe that are sitting that we can believe God with these folks and that the Lord will do some things? Turn some, give, give some favor, turn some situations around so that they, are, they don't have a conflict like they have right now. Lift up your hands before the Lord. Phyllis, step up here with me. And let's release faith on this. We've, let's pray specifically with these people. They're sincere this morning. Father God, in the name of Jesus... 
you see these hearts and you know that they have a desire to be involved more in the church and in meetings and in ministry. And this has been a conflict and even a burden and even a problem to some of them. And that's not your will. You're a mighty God. You're well able to change this situation for them. And so we're asking you for changed schedules, shift changes, day changes, pay changes, job changes, position changes. In Jesus' name, we ask you to give these folk that stood up and acknowledged this and are asking you themselves, give them the best situation. Give them the best situation for them, an improvement, a promotion in every sense. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, when you think about it, just say, thank you, Lord, for working that out for me. Don't say, I, you know, oh, I got to get this. I wish I didn't have this. I wish I didn't. Don't say that. Just say, uh, thank you for working it out for me and stay in faith. John 13. John 13. What have we been talking about on these Sunday mornings for the last several Anybody remember? The love of God. Is that a good subject? You think we've exhausted it yet or should we stay with it a while? The love of God. In John 13 and 34, Jesus gives us the New Testament commandment. John 13, 34. He said, a new commandment I give to you. What is it? That you love who? Each other. Each other is referring to uh, your fellow Christian. Right? Yeah, we're to care about the world. But that's not specifically what this new, new commandment says. This is me loving my fellow Christian. You loving your fellow Christian. You loving me, me loving you. Love one another. How do we do it? As I, Jesus, have loved you, that you also love one another. So before we'll be in position to love each other, like he's telling us, we've got to know how he loves us. Right? And this next verse says, by this, by what? By us loving each other like he loves us, all men shall know, shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. So it's not how many fish Uh, stickers we got on our car it's not how many verses we can quote it's not how loud we talk in tongues it's not how we dress it's not where we go to church that lets people know we're real Christians what lets people know we're real Christians us loving each other can you see why the devil has fought so hard and worked so hard to get Christians fighting each other Churches fighting each other. Denominations fighting each other. Because it ruins our witness to the world. That's what they do. They fight. They fuss. They struggle for position and power and influence. And if we're doing the same thing, we're acting like unsaved people. But they don't have this love. The love that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. They, They don't have That love, and when they see that love in manifestation, they know God is real. And they know God is in us. Amen? Amen. Real Christians. Go to 1 John, please, the fourth chapter. 1 John, chapter 4, and verse 16. 1 John 4, 16 says... We have known and believed the love that God has to us. 1 John 4.16 God is love. We'd said before that it's, it's a good help in your Bible reading if to just help get this in you. To every time you see the word God, substitute the word love. And it'll open up whole scriptures to you. God, not just He has love, He is love. 
And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Now back up to the first part. We have known and believed the love that God has to us. We've experienced it. We've known it. We've come in contact with it. And then what else? We believed it. Can you experience the love of God and not believe it? Hmm? Can you experience a human's love? And not believe it. Hmm? I never forget sitting across the desk from a couple, young couple. They hadn't been married that long. And they were having all kind of difficulties. And uh, she said to me, he doesn't love me. He doesn't really love me. He looked at me with a, a, a sign of pain on his face. He said, Brother Keith, it ain't so. <laughs> he said, I love her. And I've told her repeatedly. She said, you're just saying that. She didn't believe. And and the the further I went with them, it appeared to me that he really did. But you don't have to believe somebody's love and you don't have to receive their love. Well, it is that way with God. God has loved the whole world, hasn't he? And paid the price for the whole world. Has the whole world believed this love? And received this love? The answer is no. And so we've been talking for several uh, weeks now about the importance of receiving God's love for yourself. Because this is how you're going to love other people. You can't give what you don't have. And if you don't receive love, you can't give love. Does God love you? Is, Is that real to you? It could be more real, couldn't it? You you need to tell yourself all the time, because the devil's a liar. He's trying to tell you something else. But you need to tell yourself all the time, God loves me. I'm precious and valuable to him. I'm the apple of his eye. I'm important to him. God loves me. Nobody loves me like God loves me. God loves me more than all the gold and silver and platinum and money in the world. Hmm? He does. Every one of us, silver and gold wouldn't buy us. But the precious blood of the Lamb has bought and paid for us. Next time the devil tries to tell you you're not worth much, ask him why God paid so much for you then. God's not dumb. He didn't pay a billion dollars for a five dollar item. And he paid the most precious thing in all the universe and time and eternity for us. Amen. Say it out loud, God loves me. He really does. I believe He does. I receive His love for me. I am precious in His eyes. I'm valuable to Him. I'm the apple of His eye. God loves me. I believe it. Amen. Now this is the catalyst to you loving you. You're not going to love yourself like you should until you realize how much He loves you. When you begin to focus on the Word and deal with the in Him truths, redemptive realities, you'll see you the way God sees you and you'll begin to see why He loves you so much and then you'll begin to love you too. Somebody says, what does that matter? Well, the scripture also says we're to love our neighbor. How? But what if you don't love yourself? What if you don't even like yourself? Your neighbor's in trouble. Right? Because you love love your neighbor as yourself. If you'll notice, we, 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 we keep talking about this. Why? We're going to talk about some practical ways how to love people. We've touched on it here and there, but we're not ready to go there until you... No, God loves you, and you love you. Did you hear me? You're not ready to talk about how you're going to love other people. Because what are you going to love them with? How do we love each other as He loves us? Well, you've got to find out how He loves you. And you've got to receive that love. And then the love you've received, you can minister to somebody else. There is no greater experience. Than being filled with the love of God. 
You know, I've had some good times in prayer. I've had some good experiences in the services. I've had some experiences. I won't go into them, but I have. But I tell you, the one that sticks, the one that stands out in my mind above all other things are when God has manifested His love to me. Oh, I remember one night years ago, first little house we got. I was up in the middle of the night in the kitchen floor, laying on the floor praying. And God got in the floor with me. Oh, man. And he, met, he revealed his love inside me. And I began to think about different people that I loved. That he loved. Well, he was loving them through me. Different ones, people I barely knew, people I knew well. And I'd start praying for them. And, and it would just get so big in me how much God loved them. Well, when that comes up in you, then you love them. Because it's his love that's in you. And I remember laying there, I don't know what time of the morning it was, but I'm laying there, sleepy, are you kidding me? Felt like you'd never need to sleep again. And I began to realize, this is what heaven is. This Heaven's not about a geographical place. Heaven's not just about a mansion. Heaven is the manifest atmosphere of love. That's what it is. Oh, glory to God. And I just knew, I knew laying there, I thought... This is where I want to live forever, <laughs> right in the middle of this. I'd never have to go anywhere. I'd never have to have anything. This completes you. This fulfills you. Amen? That's what we're, we are love children of a love God. This is what feeds our spirit. It's how we live. Can you say Amen. So how are you going to love your brother? As God has loved you. And you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. So you must love yourself, right? To be qualified. And you must believe and receive the the love that God has for you. Now go to 1 Corinthians 13, please. We've been looking at this passage, different parts of it, for some time. And I want us to review just a little bit. Y'all believe with me, I have a lot of things up here this morning. and We only want to deal with exactly what we should. Nothing less, nothing more, nothing else. Everybody say, just right. First Corinthians 13. Really, if you read the 12th chapter and the 13th, and the 14th, it gives you a little better picture because it all flows together. This wasn't written in chapter and verse. But he is describing, he talks about the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit. He talks about the ministry gifts in chapter 12. And in uh, verse 31, he says, Covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. What way is he talking about? Well, how many understand the manifestations and all the things of the Spirit operate by faith? Well, what does faith operate by? Love. Faith works by love. He says, he talks about, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. What good is that, right? Are there such a thing as vain tongues? Rattling and talking in tongues, and it's just like somebody banging a cymbal. Yeah. Main thing is love. You know, you should give everything the love test. That's why we're talking about what love is. Is God in it? Is God in the tongues? What's the question? Is love in the tongues? Was God in that prophecy? Was love in that prophecy? Was God in that teaching or that message or that preaching? Was God in Was God, was love in it? Was God in that counsel? Was love in the council. Give everything the love test. And that will help you to see if and how much God was in it. Because God is love. If God's in it, love will be in it. Y'all okay this morning? Everybody awake? Do we need a break or... <laughs> Y'all are comfortable. That's good, but don't get too comfortable. I mean, it's not nap time. 
Uh, he said, though I have a prophecy, understand all mysteries, all knowledge, though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I'm nothing. It's not just all about faith. It's not just all about knowledge and understanding. You can know a bunch of stuff and be mean. Hmm? You can know all kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, you can figure it out the days of Daniel and, and uh, seven seals and the beast and the whore and Babylon. And you can know all kind of stuff and just be mean. Hmm? Religious people are the meanest on the planet. It's a fact. They'll, they'll backstab you. They'll lie on you, kick you, knock you down, and give you a scripture why it's okay. Amen. Everybody say, that's not us. That's not us. That's not us. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. No matter how big a gifts, how big a offerings, no matter what you think you do material and financially, if it wasn't done in love, what does it profit? There's, there's no profit to it. Here he talks, describes the nature and the character of love. And here's three things you need to be thinking. As we're reading this, this is how God is. Right? A lot of times people only read this and think, well, this is how I'm supposed to act. It is. But back up, this God is love. This is how He is. This is how He is with you. And this is how you and I are to be with each other. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Let me read this to you from these other translations. Love puts up with things a long time, is patient and mild and kind, doesn't boil over with envy and hatred, doesn't begrudge another success, doesn't brag on itself, is not swelled and puffed up with pride, doesn't act rudely or unmannerly, doesn't seek its own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, doesn't keep score of wrongs done. Now let's just, well, no, I need to keep reading. Rejoice is not an iniquity, not glad when others go wrong and are destroyed, doesn't re, but rejoices in the truth, loves the truth, rejoices at right and good, bears all things. Now here's what I want to get to today. We talked last week about how love covers the multitude of sins. Do you remember that at all? You know, selfishness and will tell. Everybody's faults and failures. Love covers. But here's another thing. Weymouth's translation, instead of saying love bears all things, says love overlooks faults. Love overlooks faults. Everybody say that out loud. Love overlooks faults. So today I want us to emphasize this. We've talked about what love is and what love does. Here's another thing. We're learning how, you know, to accept God's love. You've got to recognize it when it comes. God's love is tolerant. Very tolerant. Everybody say tolerant. Tolerant. Love is tolerant. Well, I mean, it goes along with what we've already read. Love suffers long, right? Puts up with. And while it's putting up with, it's mild and kind. That sounds like being tolerant, doesn't it? Say it again. Love is tolerant. Well, what would be intolerant then? Intolerant and impatient. Hmm? That's, that's the flesh. That's selfishness. That's not the love of God. Now I want to read two or three scriptures to you. Would you look at... Uh, well, I'll tell you, for time's sake, don't. i got so much here. Just listen. Can you listen? And might maybe jot down a reference. Romans 2.4 in the NIV says this. Romans 2.4 He said, do you show contempt for the riches of God's kindness, tolerance, and patience? And do you not realize that God's kindness leads you to repentance? 
What leads you to repentance? Have you ever been moved by how kind God was with you? And how patient and how tolerant He was with you? Maybe He dealt with you and you didn't listen and you didn't listen and you didn't listen and you didn't listen for years, maybe 10 years, and you realize, oh, God's been so merciful to me. I got to get this right. He's put up with this, He's been patient. His kindness, His tolerance, does what? Leads you to change, to repentance, not His intolerance. Not him pressuring you. Right? Not every day. You know, God's not watching over your shoulder. And everything you do wrong, he points it out. Is he? Are you all awake? Are you okay? Stick with me a few minutes now. Does God look over your shoulder night and day? And everything that's not just exactly right... He makes a deal out of it. What, 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 whoa. What'd you do? What'd you say? That ain't going to fly. <laughs> and then you make it about another three seconds. Up, up, what was that? What was that? <laughs> and you make it about another half minute. Huh, what? It's a terrible confession. That's not faith. No, that's not right. 98% of it was right, but that 2% is not right. Does God point out everything to us? Do you think He could find some things? (laughs) Could He put the spotlight on you? Boonk! And measure you beside his own holiness and perfection. I said, I want to show you. (laughs) This is perfection. And this is you. (laughs) He doesn't do that. Could he do that? He doesn't do it. He doesn't want to do it. If anybody would have... A right in one anybody would be justified in being intolerant, it would be him. Because he is perfect. Right? But if he is long suffering and patient and kind, how would we be justified in being less tolerant than him? We're not. I said we're not. Love is tolerant. I know it's kind of a funny story. I've always liked cars. I mean, I think I made motor noises in my crib. <laughs> You've seen them, haven't you? <laughs> and uh, not long, right after Phyllis and I got married, I had a project. I had a 67 Camaro and I had a 350 that was going to be the hottest thing on the block. I had some drag racing cousins. And every weekend was spent on this thing. And, you know, I'm probably a little bit like Tim the Tool Man sometimes. I mean, if a little is good, a lot's better, you know. I mean, so we, we kept working on this motor to make it stouter. And I mean, we thought, well, that, we're going to bore it. So we thought, well, that's good. Let's bore it some more. <laughs> so we bored it much as we thought we could. And then, we, we, you know, we had the racing pistons and we had the rings that you cut to fit. And, I mean, we thought, well, you know, a little more compression the better. I mean, so we cut them so tight that we had to put STP and heat them up so we could get the pistons in the jug. And I mean, everything we did, we did like that. We took a high-volume oil pump. We figured, well, it could probably be boosted. So we put bigger springs in the high-volume pump. And we just, I mean, we just kept doing that. Till the great day came to fire this baby up. 
shake some windows, you know. Scare some small animals. <laughs> and uh, I got a really, really hot battery. We had a high torque starter. Looked like something you'd start a diesel truck with. And, and we were already, and I mean, you know, I put an extra battery with cables on it because it's never been started before, you know. And, and I reached up and we turned. Mm. 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 Nothing. I mean, it would just. You could tell we're putting a lot of power into the starter. I mean, boy, it'd slap it in there, but nothing. Nothing. Well, we did that about half a day. And, uh, and realized this ain't. What are you laughing so much? I mean, some of you guys done the same kind of stuff. And uh, are you really going to laugh about this? But I figure, you know, well, my daddy's got a tractor. So I go get daddy's tractor and we'll pull this thing, get up some speed, you know, and pop the clutch and uh, get this thing to moving. So I put my little brother on the tractor and we got in the car and he, we're going there. So come on, get a little faster, you know, get this. We, we got, this thing's got a lot of compression. So I pop the clutch in first gear, just slide the tires. I tried it in second gear, just slide the tires. I tried it in third gear, just slide the tires. We did that about three hours. <laughs> Nothing. Then I said, you know, this thing's so light in the back. I got to get some weight in the back. And it just so happened that a couple of my heaviest aunts were visiting my mom that day. <laughs> they were quite large. <laughs> so I invited them... To ride in the back of my car while we drug it down the road. Quite a spectacle, I'm sure. <laughs> so the back seat of this Camaro is full of ladies. And uh, <laughs> they're ripping down the road. And I'm popping the clutch. Same thing. The rest of the day, nothing. Never moved. That motor never turned over, and it never started because it was too tight. How many know you got to have some tolerance? <laughs> there, there's got to be some space in between the rings. There's got to be some space in between the piston and the cylinder. In machinery, there's got to be enough space for it to move around. And then that's why you put your oil in your engines. Because in between that space, that oil flows and keeps it from having too much friction. Too much friction and things get hot. What are y'all laughing about? Are we still talking about cars? Or? <laughs> too much friction and things get hot and too much heat and things seize up, lock up, freeze up or destroyed, right? You run a machine, piece of machinery without oil in it, it won't run long. Why? Too much friction. Right? Not enough tolerance. Not enough space. Well, we, the whole body of Christ, this whole church, your business, composed of moving parts. Right? Human parts. How many know there's got to be some room between us? Right? We've got to give each other some space. And not think it's our job to call every problem, to point out every flaw, to, you know, emphasize every mistake, every shortcoming. If we do that, there's not enough tolerance. There's going to be friction. There's going to be problems. There's going to be lockups. There's going to be separations. There's going to be divisions. There's going to be failures of relationships. Everybody say tolerance. Go to Matthew 7, please. Is this okay this morning? I didn't tell you my testimony. I was going to tell you. I got a testimony. Where's Phyllis? I didn't fill out a form. 
Two different individuals uh, sent me word and sent me the fabrics and everything for two custom tailored suits. Amen. Extremely. Now, I mean, the place they sent them from is one of the best anywhere. Amen. Stars and dignitaries go there to get their stuff. Amen. 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 Not going to cost me a penny. Two of them. Outstanding. And my wonderful wife gave me a watch for our anniversary. I mean, you can't see it. I mean, I wish you could see it in the back. But this thing, this is a watch. And a gold bracelet. Glory. Anyway, I'm blessed. I wanted to give my testimony too. I, those are chunks. Those are chunks. Personal chunks. Amen. Uh, are you there in Matthew 7? Y'all will never forget my Camaro with my aunts in the back. <laughs> I'm not making that up. <laughs> Am I making that up, Phyllis? I mean, she watched the whole... Phyllis and mom and me in the front. In the trunk. Nah, nah. I didn't put my wife and my mom in the trunk. <laughs> I meant I was going to get that car started that day. But not enough tolerance. That motor never ran. We had to completely take it apart and rebuild it. Matthew 7. (laughs) That's all we need to know about that story. Matthew 7, 1. Are you there? Judge not. Judge not. That you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Who's talking? Is this a law? Is this a fact? It's it's a law. You judge, then what happens? You get judged. How many want to be judged? No, you don't. You don't want to be judged. You want grace and mercy. Then if you want grace and mercy, what must you sow? Grace and mercy. That one of the problems I've seen is that so many times folk are judging and they're not calling it judging. So they think it's okay. Yeah. Beware of this. Well, now I just don't think they did the right thing. I mean, it's just my opinion, but I don't, you know, and they wouldn't call that judging, but that's judging. So many times what people call showing their opinion. Well, I don't think that's right. I don't, you know. Especially this one. Well, how in the world could they do something like that? I'd never do anything like that. Famous last words. You just judged them. Now, what comes next? The way this works is when something comes up and you've missed it and you've made a mistake and you need grace and mercy, instead of grace and mercy, because you sowed judgment, you will reap judgment. Now, the smart man and woman, the wise man or woman, when something comes up and you're tempted to judge somebody, after the flesh you feel like you've got a right to tell your opinion and say that this ain't right, instead you'll go, hmm, opportunity to sow mercy for my future. And you'll just smile and be tolerant and go, well, (laughs) I'll just believe with you for it to be straightened out. We've all made mistakes. Hmm? Sow some mercy. What are you doing when you do that? Setting yourself up for the future. If and when you need mercy, it'll be there for you. Now keep reading. Verse 4. Or how will you say to your brother, let me pull out the moat or the speck, one translation says, out of your eye. Hmm? That's, that means you found a fault with them. Not a huge fault. It's just a speck. But you're such a meticulous person that you don't like to see specks in people. 
And besides that, you have great discernment. Not only that, you have the gift of discernment. You have the gift of discernment. Where's that at in the scripture? Gift of discernment? It is not in the scripture. Did you hear me? There is a manifestation of the spirit called discerning of spirits. And it is nothing at all like what many people are talking about and calling. When people say, I have the gift of discernment and I discern some things in that brother. And I discern some things. Is this the same as the gift of fault finding? Huh? (laughs) Unsaved people have that gift. Some are quite accomplished at it. They can take you apart. No. He said, don't say to somebody, hey, hey, man, you got a speck in your eye. Whew, it's an ugly speck. You need that speck out. We got to get that speck out. And he said, and you are not considering. Everybody say not considering. See, not not aware of, you're not looking at the beam that's in your own eye. Now, beam is bigger than speck. Beam. Some say plank. One says timber. (laughs) You're seeing sawdust. And other folk are seeing timber. Log. Cross your head, and you're concerned about some sawdust in somebody else's life. <laughs> Was Jesus just talking, or is this an issue? Does this apply to many people's lives? And we're not to judge other folk. We're to put this right here on us and say, am I doing this? Verse 5, you hypocrite. Jesus talked real straight, didn't he? You know what the Lord told me some years ago? He said, if I'd lived and ministered in your day, there would have been people in the modern society that would have accused me of verbal abuse. That never even crossed my mind. I thought, huh? He said, think about it. See, a lot of what people call verbal abuse is not verbal abuse. It's just they will receive no correction. None. If it's not a compliment couched in soft terms, soft tones, they holler, verbal abuse, you're, you're abusing me. They will receive no correction, much less a rebuke. Now, there is such a thing as verbal abuse of people deliberately calling people names and slandering them and just trying to take their self-confidence out of them. But... A lot of what is called verbal abuse today is not. It's just unteachable people. Unrepentant, unreceptive folks. Jesus said, you hypocrite. First, get that timber out of your eye. And then you can see clearly to cast out the the sawdust, the speck, out of your brother's eye. (laughs) These folk that, that have the gift of discernment, that have this... This super sensitive defect detector. (laughs) This high powered sin finder. (laughs) They need to take that thing and turn it around on their self. See what they can find right here. Amen. And quit trying to find fault in other people. Again, if God's in it, what's going to be in it? Love's going to be in If love is in it, there's going to be tolerance. Tolerance. Let me read some more scripture. Dear me, I got a whole page I ain't got to. Uh, let me read these to you that I started out. Ephesians 4, don't turn there, just listen. This is the NAS. He said, walk in the manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Be patient, bearing with one another. Be patient, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Read that again. Think, listen to that. 
Be patient with each other. That's the living Bible. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Tolerance is not approval. You might want to write a couple of these down. Tolerance isn't approval. And tolerance isn't weakness. Just because you don't say, say anything about something doesn't mean you approve of it. Doesn't mean you think it's right. And, and just because you tolerate something doesn't mean you're being weak. It's being gracious and kind. The more spiritual, truly spiritual you become, the more perceptive you will be. And the more you deal with things in your own life and get it fixed and straightened, well, you'll see it in other people too then. But now get a hold of this. Now listen carefully. You are not supposed to do something about everything you see. You're not supposed to do something with everything you know about or everything you're aware of. A lot of times people in their spiritual immaturity, if they do perceive something, they're so excited that they saw something, they want everybody to know. Hey, guess what I know? (laughs) I saw a fault. Well, it takes more faith and grace to see past the fault and see the potential that God sees. If you want to be used of the Lord, you have to care about people's dignity. When it comes to the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit, the Lord's used me, the Lord's used Phyllis, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning the spirits. And there's been numerous times we've known things. We, we sit at the house and talk about y'all. We know more than you might think. It's amazing. The Lord will just show us things. We just know it. Most of the time, we don't say anything about it. Why? It's not what you... The Lord told me this. You might want to write this down. Because I made some mistakes in these areas before I learned this. He, He told me this. He said, Keith, it's not what you know. It's not what they need. It's not what you see. It's not what is crystal clear to you. It is what will they receive. Yeah, I'll say it again. It's not what you know. It's not what they need. It's what will they receive. I know I said more, but that's exactly what he said right there. It's not what you... He's talking to me. It's not what you know, Keith. It's not what they need. Yeah, but this is what they need. Yeah, but will they receive it? It's no need in you going over there and talking about it or bringing it up and they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to look at it. So, unless and until somebody wants to look at it and talk about it, can we still be friends and love each other? Or do we have to have friction? Do we have to call everything? And everything I can find wrong with you, I've got to tell you about. And everything you find wrong with me, you've got to tell me about. Well, no. Any one of us could have the spotlight put on us up here and find faults, and that's not going to help us. Amen. This gets to, go to 1 Corinthians 8. Thank you, Lord. Tell me again, love is tolerant. Tolerant. 1 Corinthians 8, and I think I'm closing. This is a whole other message right here, but it'll help us end this point. 1 Corinthians 8. Is it first or second? Let me see. Are you there or not? You're doing better than me. Through all these notes I'm not going to use today. First Corinthians 8. First Corinthians, the 8th chapter. And we're going to begin at the very first verse. It says... 
It's touching things offered to idols. We know that we all have knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. Knowledge Knowledge puffs up. Is that good? That is not good. And you'll find this to be so. In knowledge-intensive professions, you'll see great amounts of pride. Hmm? I'm just telling you, it's, it's a fact. How many know this is a fact? Knowledge puffs up. It doesn't have to, but without God, that's what will happen. You've studied, you know a lot of stuff. Anything. I mean, attorneys, doctors, educators, people that are highly skilled in their areas, that have a lot of knowledge. Beware. Because just knowledge tends to puff. I don't care how much you know. The scripture goes on to say, verse, tw- verse 2, If any man think that he knows anything, he what? He knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God. That's where it's not how much you know, it's how much you love God. The same is known of him. Now, now back up to verse 1. Knowledge does what? But love edifies. Glory to God. The word edify means to construct. It means to build up. So you say it like this. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. We don't want to talk to somebody unless it's going to build them up. Right? I don't care what you think you see or what you think you know or what they need. I don't care how crystal clear it is to you. That's not the issue. The issue is what will they receive? And will they receive it through you? A lot of times with family, you're not the one. They don't want to hear it through you. They'd reject it just because it come out of your mouth. So what do you do? you got to realize I'm not the one. And be quiet and ask the Lord to send laborers across their path. Amen. Somebody they would listen to. Amen. 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 And if it's right and if it's God, it's not just going to be friction. It will build up. It will edify. Here's, here's a, uh, another part of this test. Give everything the love test. Right? If God's in it, there's going to be love in it. Now, here's the next part of this. If there's love in it, how can you tell? There's going to be edification. Amen. There's going to be strengthening. There's going to be help. There's going to be building up. You judge every message by that, every prophecy by that. Some people bless their hearts. Every prophecy is woe to you. Doom and gloom. No love in it. No edification. So no God. God wasn't in it. It was just them. I don't care how many times they said, Yea, thus saith the Lord. That doesn't prove God's in it. That's right. right? If God's in I mean, you know, this 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians is love, love, love. And the 14th chapter, which there was no division there, it just flows right into it. How many, go, go there, read it again now with this in your mind, and circle every time you see edify. It says, are you going to talk in tongues? Make sure it edifies the church. You're going to prophesy? It's got to edify the church. Everything, you got a doctrine, got a tongue, everything you got. It let everything be done to the edification, building up of the church. That's how we can judge everything. Every message, every tongue and interpretation, messages and tongues and prophecies that are wet blankets, that just try to motivate fear, God wasn't in it. I said, God wasn't in it. If God's in it, love's in it. If love's in it, it edifies. Now, I didn't say God wouldn't correct you. God will correct you. Who, buddy? He'll straighten you up. I mean, he'll he'll rebuke you. He'll reprove you. He'll He'll straighten you out. But before it's over with, you're edified. You might have wondered in the beginning. (laughs) but by the time it's over with you're edified can you say amen Amen. love puffs up excuse me excuse me knowledge puffs up love builds up hallelujah stand on your feet if you would thank you Lord Jesus
praise you, Lord. You're so good. So faithful to us. What a good God you are. Anybody excited about God's goodness besides me? God is so good to us. How many believe God's taking us somewhere with all this? I'm telling you, we are. I, we already see it. But I, I am believing, all of us are believing together, I know you are, that this whole place is, is, will, is and will be so saturated in love that people will sense it before they ever get here. And when they pull on the parking lot, love will get in the car with them. Amen. And when they walk in the floor and they sit, walk in, in here and, and walk over the floor and they sit on the seats, love is in every seat. Amen. It wouldn't hurt for you just as you're going and coming. Put your hands on the seats and say love is in every seat. Love is in every seat. As you walk over the carpet, love's all over this floor. Amen. What does that mean? God's in here. God, and I know He lives in us, but He manifests in this place, and then the residue of His presence even gets into the fabric. That's right. It's a fact. Hallelujah. Close your eyes if you would. Father, you're so good to us. We love you so much because you first loved us. Thank you for teaching us how to receive your love and how to love each other with this wonderful, wonderful, divine love. Everybody said out loud, Father, forgive me any time and every time that I have been impatient and intolerant and especially judgmental. Forgive me and any time or any time in the future I would be tempted To do so again, arrest me. Help me to realize what's going on, what I'm about to do, and I'll not do it. Your love shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I can walk in love. I can be gracious, and I will be. I can be tolerant, and I will be. Let every word out of my mouth, every deed out of my life, serve only to the edification, the building up, the blessing of those around me. In Jesus' name.